I was privileged to grow up in a home where giving back to the Lord was just something that was taught, as you were as well growing yeah. up in your home. But I think because of just my personality, um, I really took it seriously about the whole idea of test God. And I remember probably the most defining moment for me about just trusting God that he, he's got it was I was probably a junior, I was about 16 years old in high school. I remember my mom, talking to my mom, it was my junior year, I had this really, really important banquet coming up. And my mom was just honest and she was like, Cindy, we just don't have the money for like a new dress. I mean, it's just not something we can do. And she looked at me and she said, but you should pray about that. Now, you know, I'm 16, I'm like, it's like the mom answer, you know, the pastor's wife answer, go pray about it. <laughs> But I took her seriously, and I remember, you know, growing up in a home where I was taught that we needed to trust God. So I remember very clearly praying and asking God, God, I, I really want to go to this event, and I really need a new dress. I really, you know, um, and I will never forget the Sunday that Mom pulled me aside. Literally, it was within a week, and she pulled me aside, and she said, have you been praying about that new dress? And I, you know, I was kind of embarrassed a little bit. I was like, yeah. And she says, well, this lovely lady in our church just came up to me and gave me a check and specifically said, hey, take this and get the girls some things that they need. Mm -hmm. And for me as a 16-year-old, knowing just that it had been modeled in my home was one thing. But for me at that age to go, whoa. I prayed about that and God answered. And as maybe frivolous as you may think it is a dress, for me as a 16-year-old, that was defining for me. You know, God was really challenging us during the season of All In um, to go to the next level. And, um, you know, Cynthia and I are tithers and, and then some. We don't have a lot of uh, things that we can just go cash in and, and, and give. And we've been challenged in during the season to give a little bit more of our income, to give a little bit more back. It's a little bit, uh, you know, of, of, a, of a challenge and it's gonna take a sacrifice on our part and our kids' part and our family's part. But I'm so excited to see what God is gonna do with that in our lives and in the life of this church and in the life of this community. And I believe that he is going to take what we give over and above our tithes and offerings and uh, I believe he's going to multiply it in ways that are extraordinary and remarkable, and I can't wait to see what he does. I love Cynthia's story about her dress. Part of the reason I love it is, is because she learned at a young age the idea of trusting God with everything. Her parents modeled that. They modeled it for, for she and her sisters. They modeled it for me. They modeled it for our family. Um, but for me, the, the idea of trusting God with everything, particularly money, um, was much more of a challenge. It was something I didn't learn when I was 16. I, I saw great things modeled in my home, but um, man, I, somehow I missed this one. It's taken me a long time as an adult to learn to trust God, particularly in the area of money. And I know some of you are like, man, he told us last week he was gonna talk about money. One of the next two weeks I chose wrong. <laughs> 
But there's a reason you're here today. There's a reason God ordered your steps to be here today. Um, because I'm preaching on this today, and this is a subject that's near, maybe as near and dear to my heart as anything in God's word, any instruction, anything that God's word tells us. Man, this one hits home. Because there was a time in our family, and it was um, during the period of time in New York, and it was right when we first moved here, this is like 13 years ago, um, that I, because I didn't learn the idea of trusting God with everything, I began to back off on our tithe. And I remember the day that I finally had to fess up to my wife, who was a pastor's kid, and I was a pastor on staff, and I had to fess up that I had, without her knowing, I had begun to back off in my tithe. We had begun to back off on our tithe because of a decision I made. And I remember as time went on and more that God worked on my heart on this issue of, of giving back a 10% to him, I realized that for me, this boiled down to a trust issue. It just did. It just boiled down to how much do I really trust God? And I remember it occurred to me at one moment in time that I trusted God enough that I put my salvation in him, my hope for eternity, like I placed my faith in him, yet I wasn't willing to trust him with something that's so temporal and so fleeting as this thing called money. God has taught me along the way. It's not been an easy road for me to learn this. I have, still have days and times when, when I struggle with it. There are times when I, when I still just like wonder, oh man, is, is, is God really gonna come through? And church, I want you to hear today that his word tells us and what we're gonna learn today is if we are obedient in this issue, he gives us a promise. There's a, there's a conditional promise that if we are faithful in this issue, that he will bless us, that he does bless us. I learned over time what it really meant to trust him and to trust him in this area of money. And I realize that there, there are a lot of different like categories of, of people in here today. I, I realize that there are some of you who walked in today and you're like, he's teaching on money. Like we got this down. This is so solid in our lives and maybe it is. And, and my encouragement, if you're a person who right now, the word that like would describe your situation is thrive. Um, I, I, wanna, I wanna give you an encouragement today. Great, that's awesome. Maybe you're tithing, maybe God is blessing. I wanna encourage you to keep on keeping on, keep on doing what God's told you to do. But I also want you to realize that you're thriving because of him. And that just as easily or as hard as it came to gain the wealth that you gained, God could take it away in a moment. Does anyone remember 2007 through 2009? My goodness, it can happen soon, can it? It happened quickly. And there are some of you who walked in today and the word that comes to mind is secure, like maybe it's not thriving, but you know, things are pretty good and the tendency would be to just go, you know, maybe it's probably not a message for me today, but I'll tuck, a, tuck it away for another time. Um, I, I would say to you who may have this idea that things are secure and they're okay, um, and I, I am being obedient in this issue, that, that my, my, my recommendation today is, is, is resist the temptation to think that there may not be more that God 
God is asking you to do in your financial house. Because <laughs> I, I know for us, there's always more that we can do. There's always something that we can follow to a greater degree of obedience. But maybe you came in today and, and the word that describes like, your financial life right now is, is peril. <laughs> like 2019 is a rough year and I'm coming into 2020 and boy, this is the last thing that I wanna hear at church. Man, my encouragement to you is resist the temptation to lose hope. That God is a God of all of it. And in the midst of your just most exhausting circumstance, that he is one that you can put your hope and your trust in. Don't ever give up. Maybe you're kind of cynical. Maybe you're like, man, the church is always talking about money. Every time I come to church, I haven't been to church in two years, and I come in today and you're talking about money. All God wants is my money. Here's my challenge to you is resist the temptation to believe that God does not have your best in mind. Because the reason that in God's word to us that he mentions this issue more than any other topic, money and possessions, it's mentioned more in God's word than anything else is because he wants your best. He is for you, as Cynthia just reminded us. He wants you to be your best. And he's got something in mind for you. So whether you're thriving, whether you're secure, whether you're in peril, or whether maybe you are a cynic, or maybe, maybe, hang on, maybe this is the cynicism. I've done all the right things and God hasn't come through. My encouragement to you is to resist the temptation to stop doing the right thing. Because God may not be coming through yesterday. He may not be coming through today, but he does come through. If you obey him, he comes through. And I realize this is a heavy message. You, you guys can all take a breath for a second, okay? I will too, I will too. Um, I, but I realized something in my life as I've learned so much and, and I still struggle with today, um, that for me, this was all about mindset. And so today what we're gonna talk about is we talk about reset. We've talked about resetting our, our passions. Is God number one? Is he first in, in our lives? We've talked about resetting our relationships. And then I told you last week, I wasn't gonna tell you which week I'm talking about money because you probably wouldn't plan on coming. So we're talking about how to reset in our money. And then next week, we're going to be talking about how to reset our influence and talking about the influence that we have for the kingdom. But for me, this came down to, to a heart issue. It came down to a behavior issue. But I'll tell you, those of you who have been in peril financially, your behavior changes when, when, when you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And what I found in my life is that behavior can change and heart cannot change. Behavior sometimes changes because it has to. When expenses exceed income, it has to change. It just has to. That doesn't mean your heart and your head change. And so today I wanna give us, kind of whittle it down to three principles that will help us to reset our finances. You see a reset in our finances requires a reset, probably primarily in the way that we think about finances. 
A reset in our finances requires us to have a reset in, in what we think and what goes on right here. And I've whittled it down to three things today. I just want to be able to tackle this easily and maybe have some fun along the way. I know everybody gets tense when we talk about money, but let's have some fun along the way. That, that there are three mindsets that come from God's word about money if you whittle it down to three things. And so I whittled it down today to the idea of ownership and stewardship and giving. And I want to talk about three mindsets around those, those three things, and, and then a money movement that will help maybe get some handles on some things. So let's dive in today to money mindset number one, which is ownership. And here's the principle today. The money mindset ownership behind, um, behind ownership is this idea that God owns it all. God owns it all. If I think if we can't grasp this thing, this idea of ownership, this subject that God owns it all, if we can't grasp this, I don't think we have too much hope in terms of understanding the next two. It's so important that we understand that God owns everything. From the beginning of time, he's been telling his people He's been instructing us that, that, that he owns it all. In 1 Chronicles 29, 11, this is all the way back in the Old Testament, in the history of the kings of Israel, and the history of you know, Israel and, and God and their, uh, the up and down relationship. He says this, yours, O Lord, the, the writer says, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. And he says this, for, what's that next word? For all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. In the original language, that word for all, translated in English, you know what it is? All. It's total everything. It's every bit of it. There's nothing that God doesn't own. He owns all of it. He owns every part of it. He owns all of our possessions. David the psalmist cries out to God and he says in Psalm 24, one, he says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in it. I have a hard time sometimes looking at my stuff and not saying it's all God's. It's all God's. And I think it's maybe easy for us, especially where we live, to, to look outside and we're out playing golf and we're on the golf course and we're like, yeah, that's his, that's his tree, even though I hit my ball into it. That's his tree. And, and that's his lagoon, even though it might be man-made. Um, and, you know, like, like everything around me, the beauty I see, we're at the beach, man, this is his. But when it comes to our stuff, see, it's easy to handle that in a macro level I think it's much more difficult for us to handle this when it comes to our stuff. Because we really do buy into this idea that it's our stuff. No, he owns it all. It's all his. It's all his. He owns all our wealth. Haggai 2.8, the prophet says, the silver is mine, he writes this, and, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. All of the wealth that you have, all of the things that you've accumulated, and some of you are like, oh, that's not much that he owns then. Um, but like, whether it's great or whether it's small, it's all his. Even the ability to have gain is his. He owns the ability for you and for me 
to work, to have jobs, to have production. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So this whole idea of having a reset when it comes to our money, if you came in from 2019 to 2020 and you're like, man, things are just really bad. You wanna press reset, it begins by understanding ownership. It begins by making a move. Here's the money move, a move from it's mine to it's God's in your thinking. And you may be sitting there like I, I was sitting there once in a church service thinking, hearing this kind of thing and thinking, that's not really a big deal. It's huge. It's huge. It's a huge shift to think that everything on the heaven and the heavens and the earth is his. Because all of a sudden when we make that move from its mind to its God's, it may change our thinking. But if we believe that, if we truly value that, then it will change our behavior. It will change our habits. It'll change the way that we think about money. It also helps us in those moments when we don't have, when we have uh, you know, plenty, it's kind of, under, you know, we understand it, but when we don't have, that helps us to understand that he can refill the coffers, that he can build out back up because he owns it all. I, I know that when, when we were going through our most difficult days, when it comes to the subject of money, um, I, I know for me, I, I faced a lot of guilt man, a lot of guilt, that I, I wasn't enough, that I wasn't you know, earning enough, or I couldn't manage it well enough, or, or I didn't want to tell Cynthia enough of what was happening, or whatever what it was. And, and I mentioned last week that I suffered with a little bit of depression back in 2014 and 15, and part of it was related to that. And there are some of you that are here today, and you may need, because something has happened in your financial life, you may need to talk to someone not about the management part of it. I'll talk about that in, the, in a minute, but I'm talking about kind of the, the ramifications of that. And I want to encourage you to contact one of our Stevens ministers. We have a great team of people who are there for you to talk to about any subject that you're struggling with. Um, on February the 9th, we're, we're having a, a lunch and Scott Mackay is, a, is our Stevens ministry director, pastor, and he's, he he's, um, wants you to know about it. And for those of you who maybe can help someone through a dark day and you wanna find out more about Stevens ministry, I wanna encourage you to be there on February 9th. It's gonna take place over in the community center from 1230 to two. I know for me, I needed a lot of help with this subject and kind of the, the other things that came with it, other than just the management of it. And so I wanna encourage you on that. The second money mindset is the idea of stewardship. Stewardship. You see, once we understand that God owns it all and it's all his, then we can move to this place where we can understand that he has entrusted us to steward that money for him. And that's the principle that God trusts us to steward it all for him. He has entrusted you to steward the money that you have given him, or that he has given you, I'm sorry. And all the way back at the beginning, God was instructing his people to steward well what he has given us. 
check this out, in the 28th verse in the Bible, Genesis 1, 28, he says, and God blessed, it says, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. We always think that is related to how many kids we have. It's not just that. It has to do with everything. And fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. From the beginning, God was instructing us to steward what he has given us and to steward it well. It's part of what he says when he says, be fruitful and multiply. I remember um, Cynthia and I have two kids and I remember my father-in-law looking at me and saying, you still haven't multiplied. And I was like, if I have another kid, I'm sending him to your house to live. So anyway, that was my thought on the subject. <laughs> but that be fruitful and multiply has to do with all of the things that are his. I want you to hear today that what he has given you, he expects you to steward that well. And yes, that's a heavy thing. But think about the fact that the God of the universe trusts you with it. He trusts you with it. Genesis 2.15 says, the Lord took the man and put him in, in, in the garden to work it and keep it. This has been going on since the beginning of time. But it's also a New Testament principle. 1 Peter 4.10 says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And of course, if you know anything about Jesus, one of the things that he taught on the most, one of, one of the, the subject of all of the stories that he, he would um, teach with was a subject of how we should use the gifts that God has given us. So the money mindset, the first one is ownership. The second one is stewardship. And the money move here is that we need to move from a place of for me to for God in our money management. Because we can have the idea of ownership down. We can even be tithing and still think of money as something that will produce for me, for me, for me. God's asked us to steward it for him, for him, for him. One of the things that helped me tremendously and helped us tremendously when we were at the most, probably one of the most critical points was to go through Financial Peace University. How many of you have ever gone through Financial Peace University? I want you to raise your hand. Most Financial Peace University people raise their hands high. So let's raise our hands high, right? Yeah. So it is the best biblically based system for understanding how to manage money and resources and finances. And we're starting a class in the community center this Wednesday, coming up this Wednesday at 6.30. And I wanna encourage you on both Stevens Ministry and Financial Peace University, I think it's nine weeks, by the way. Uh, it's not very long, but I wanna encourage you to be there. This will help you if you're in that place where things are caving in and you don't know what to do, the steps that you'll receive in Financial Peace University will help get you out. And by the way, if you are in a good place, man, I don't know about you, I, I need the reminder often. It's fantastic. And I, I wanna encourage you to sign up, 
to be a part of Financial Peace University. It's amazing. You can go on our website to do that, and you can go, go there uh, to our groups page, and it's listed on our groups page, or you can talk to Chris at guest services after, afterwards. That second money move is moving from me, to, for, from me to for God in our money management thought. The third one, the last one, so where we're going to end today and camp out today for a few moments, is this idea of giving or generosity. It's the money mindset. It's the third money mindset. And I think this comes as a result of understanding that God owns it all and that God has given it to us to steward it all. The third thing that happens is, is that we follow in obedience by giving. And the principle here is that I want you to hear this. If you don't hear anything else today, I want you to hear this. God blesses our generous giving. He blesses our generous giving. He does. I didn't grow up in a pastor's home. Cynthia grew up in a pastor's home. So imagine the conversation when I had to fess up to her that I had begun to back off on our tithe as a PK. That was a fun conversation. <laughs> the thing that I had missed all those years is that God blesses us when we tithe. That God promises a blessing when we give 10% back to him. And I remember that conversation. And I remember writing that check. And this is not to brag, trust me. I, I would rather me not have to tell you the bad. I would rather tell you that we've tithed and we've done it from day one and I've never missed this. That's not true. But I remember that day and we wrote, it was the first check we wrote. We wrote a tithe check, full 10%. And we, we haven't looked back. God has taken care of every need. There have been a few wants along the way that I wanted that God didn't provide because it was just a want. But he provided for every need, every single need. God blesses our generous giving. And in fact, this is the part I want you to hear if you've heard nothing else. He tells us to test him. And Cynthia mentioned it in the video. He tells us, to test him in Malachi. I want you to capture this whole passage from verse six through 10, because the nation of Israel had turned its back on God. They were, they were disobeying him. And I want you to capture what he says. He says here, he says, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you children of, uh, uh, children of Jacob are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and you haven't kept them, he says, return to me. I want you to hear that today. Return to me. Oh, God is so grace-filled. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you, God? And here's where he says it. He says, in your tithes and contributions. That word tithe means 10%. That's what it means. And God is essentially saying, you, you haven't, like he painted this picture of robbing and they had this idea that people were going into the church and gathering money out of the church and putting it in, you know, and taking it and, and leaving. And God said, no, 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 that's not how you're robbing me. You're robbing me by holding back the portion that I've told you to give to me. And he says in verse nine, you're cursed with a curse 
for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. And here's where God has his mic drop moment on the subject of money more than anything else. He says, look, here's the deal. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. That was where they brought it into the temple, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby, he says, put me to the test. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a, what's that next word? Blessing. Blessing. Until there is no more, what's that last word? Need. You see, we're different than some churches because some churches say that if you give to God, you will be rich. We reject that mindset because God promises what? That he will take care of our what? Our needs. And I want you to hear that he promises to take care of your needs and you can trust him to do that. He also repeated it in the New Testament, Jesus did. In Luke eleven forty two. he says, Woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb, and you neglect these other things like justice and the love of God. He said, these you ought to have done. And he says, don't neglect the other. So just, this is something that Jesus repeated in the New Testament. Paul talks about it and he writes his letter to the church in Corinth. He says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but as a cheerful giver. And some of you are like, yeah, Todd, if I give to the church, if I give 10%, I'm gonna do it reluctantly. So I'm just not gonna give it all. <laughs> That's the wrong mindset. That's the wrong mindset. See, I think what God is telling us to do with tithe, because I think tithe is a minimum place to start. I think what he's saying is, is once you understand the concept of ownership and once you understand the concept of stewardship, that then it's time to open your hands and trust him with the results. Leave it up to him to handle the results. I realize that for some of you, you're like, man, this is scary. And trust me, pastors don't like to preach this message either. I get why it's scary. I understand why it's scary. But for some of you, I just wanna encourage you to start. If you've never given to God, just start. There's kind of a progression. And for some of you, it's, it's give something, start somewhere. Start somewhere. If you're, if you're someone who's never given to God, start. Start with giving something to God. Everyone can do something. Everyone can do something. And that type of giving is the beginning of obedience. And while there's no specific promise of God taking care of our needs, at least it's a step towards obedience. And for some of you, you've been giving a little and God is prompting even right now, it's time to give a tithe and when you give a tithe, that's kind of the second step in the progression. It's a command. It's something that every Christ follower should do. And that type of, of giving is, full of, is, is the type that is full obedience to God. And we have a, a promise that God will take care of all of our needs if we give a tithe. And then for some of you, you've been tithing, and God is prompting you to give abundantly back to him. And I believe what we read in 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 9 there tells us that all Christ followers should be open to giving beyond just a tithe. 
and that that type of giving is beyond full obedience and comes with God's abundant blessings. Listen, I want you to hear this. I've learned it. We as a family have learned it. You cannot outgive God. You can't outgive God. And it may be the most it may be the most obvious way that we can demonstrate that we trust that he is in control. See, the money move when it comes to giving is a move from selfish to generous giving. And so my question is, is what are you holding back? Where are you not trusting God? I have people ask me, well, do I tithe off the, the gross or the net income that I have? Is it 10% off the gross or the net? And I'm like, well, how, how do you want God to bless you off the gross or the net? I'm just, you know, just think about it for a second and uh, I'll let you come up with your own conclusion. What are you holding back? God is prompting you to give. And I realize that some of you may be here today and you've followed in obedience and perhaps for a long time. Or maybe you've been moving that way, or maybe even in these last few moments, you're like, man, I'm going to test God. I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to test him. I'm going to start giving 10% to him, to his church. And maybe the issue for you is when you open your hands, it's simply an issue of trust. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Do you trust him? And here's where I land every time I think about that trust issue. I land at Matthew 6, 33, when Jesus says this, seek first the kingdom of God. And then he says this, then, then all of these things will be added unto you we follow in obedience to God's command, we, especially in this area, we can trust him for the future. And I know that I said at the beginning that I, I don't preach this message for, for me. I, I truly don't. I don't preach it for Hilton Head Island Community Church. I truly don't. I trust God enough that I believe that if all of you stopped giving and tithing, that God would take care of the needs of Hilton Head Island Community Church. I really honestly believe that. No offense, I believe in him more than I believe in you. So I hope that doesn't hurt, but it's true. But here's the thing. In most churches and in our church, there are so many people that are carrying the weight of everything. You want to press reset in your financial life? Be a part of what God is doing. Test him on this. Test him on this. A reset of our finances includes following God's principles and obeying God's commands, then trusting God with results. And having come from someone who wasn't always obedient in this issue, trust me, the reason I preach this message once or twice a year is because I, I don't want you to make the same mistake I made. I don't. I want you to to be able to follow in his blessing for as long as you can because he is faithful and he is good. Father, I just pray for those who are here today, maybe listening even online, and God, this issue maybe hits close to home. It's difficult maybe to 
to understand it all, how it all works together. God, I pray for those who are in this place who feel like everybody judges them on this. God, it's, that's not what it's all about. It feels like the church maybe once always wants something or that you always want some of their money. God, you just want their best. So do I. God, I pray against the spirit of cynicism. I pray that you would take away any spirit of um, being cynical or questioning your motives, God. God, I pray that you would just even right now instill in them just a quiet trust, a trust. You own it all, you've got it all, that it is all yours, that you've entrusted each one of us to steward it to the best of our ability. There's no guilt and no shame in anything that's, that we have or haven't done in the past. It's all covered by your blood. And God, I pray that you would help us to be people who are generous, that we would open our hands freely to you, showing how deeply we trust you. God, I pray for those who are in here today, who they walked in here today and the last thing they wanted to hear is about money. I pray that you would just give them peace. Maybe they're the one that needed to hear this the most because this is the issue that's gonna cause them to draw closer to you, to have a deeper trust in you. And God, I pray for each one of us because we all have areas in our lives where we need to check in this area of giving and money and finances. God, I pray that you would allow your Holy Spirit, that we would allow your Holy Spirit to investigate our lives, to search our hearts, to search our lives and to find any way that we need to change and follow closer to you in obedience, God. I pray that those who are within the sound of my voice, wherever church they may attend, that God, maybe it's not even here, God, that they would begin to follow you by giving something that they would continue in obedience by giving a tenth. And God, I pray for those that can, that you would allow them to freely open their hands and give abundantly, give sacrificially. That's what you did for us on the cross. And we just thank you for that, God. We thank you that it's all yours. Now we worship you and we give you praise because you are the one who owns it all. We love you for it in Jesus' name. I pray, amen.